Hey everyone, Taylor here with the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. Don't skip, this isn't an ad. I just wanted to let you all know that Tommy Brown has actually been using Facebook as his primary way of relaying campaign updates and information. He's been using his Twitter feed more for Christian posts and news. Uh, There's still some good economic and cybersecurity information that he shares through Twitter, and I would highly recommend following him on both. Uh, His Twitter handle is at TommyBrownIII1. And his Facebook group is Tommy Brown III for Mayor, 1776 Libertarian. Tommy wanted me to share this distinction with y'all and let y'all know that there is a difference between the two pages. So without further ado, hope y'all enjoyed the episode. All right, there we go. Tommy Brown the third. Welcome back. Hey, good to be here. I'm glad you got me back on. Just to be truthful, uh, I, I tell you, uh, seems like every time we've tried it in the past, it's always been an issue. And this time, man, it just it just fell into place. It did. Yeah, the yeah timing really worked out uh, pretty well. We we had discussed it a, you know a couple weeks back, but um, yeah, the, the yeah this Friday was just a perfect time to do it and. Man, it feels like ages since we talked uh, last time. I actually had to go back and look it up. It was August of last year, last time we talked. And um, you were running for county commissioner back then, but now you're running for mayor of Salem, Indiana. Popping right back into the arena. I hope you at least got a little bit of rest between your last election and hopping back into this race. Just a little bit of rest anyway. Well, yeah, I did, to be honest with you. You know, we... uh we took a little bit of time off after the commissioner race. Be honest with your, you and your listeners, that race did not go the way we wanted to. Everybody was dead set on sending a message to President Biden that, hey, we're Republicans, look at us. And I'm standing over here thinking, uh, guys, you're in Washington County, it's 28,000 people they got bigger fish to fry than worry about whether or not you straight ticket vote. So, you know, that, that was one thing. Now here we are, um, not three months after the uh, commissioner race and, you know, we're, we're right back in it, uh, hard and heavy, but, uh, you know, it's like I was telling you off air, this race was not supposed to happen this early. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, you're, um, is there anything you learned from, I know you've run for public office quite a few times in the past, but is there anything you, you learned in particular from your previous race that you're looking to apply to this current campaign, maybe improve upon and, and make some changes? What, what were some of the, the takeaways you're looking to apply to this current campaign? Well, one thing that, that we did learn is, we have got a long way to go in getting people educated on the idea that you don't have to straight ticket vote um, to, to be a part of a party. You, you don't have to do that, especially at the local level. For your listeners that don't understand what I'm saying is when people would go to the voting booth they would pull a straight ticket Republican 
or straight ticket Democrat. Well, okay, you know, that's fine if you've got nothing but state and federal races all on your ballot. But when you've got local races that affect you personally, um, I'm sorry, that that does not call for a straight ticket vote because all you are doing is basically rewarding bad behavior of current elected officials with brand new terms. And it basically tells them, oh, hey, you know, we're going to vote the party line. We don't care. Uh, not at the local level. You know, if you if you want to hold a party line, you hold that party line at the state and federal levels. When it comes to local, odds are you know the people running and you know what shenanigans they pulled while they were in office. Stop straight ticket voting at local levels. It's just it's not worth it. And it, it and honestly, it's not fair to the community. I think you're 100 percent right, especially at the local level, like you said, there's. It it matters so much more than just the you know what you know the D or the R or the L the I they have next to their name. I mean you're really looking at more of the individual themselves versus the party as a whole. Like you said at the federal level, state level, you know, fine, go ahead and do that. And um, you know, I actually uh, listened to your podcast on or your your um, the episode you did with uh, Liberty Dad, I believe his name was on YouTube, yeah. where, you know, you talked about your county commissioner race and mm -hmm. and anyone who wants to hear more about, you know, your previous campaign would 100 percent recommend checking that out. Now, is it it seems to be my understanding from y'all's conversation on there that the straight ticket voting thing is like 100 percent up to the secretary of state? Yes, it is. The, the only way that that will be removed in the state of Indiana is if our current Republican secretary of state. Uh, decides that, you know, okay, it's outdated, it's time to move move along. The problem is, is Indiana is a dinosaur. There's only about eight states left in, in the Republic that uh, that even do straight ticket voting. My Personally, it needs to go away. Uh, it, it needs to be a, uh, a federal mandate uh, at, at the federal level. Uh, that's the only way I think it's going to truly end is if the federal level decides, okay, that we're done with this. No more straight ticket voting. Take it off your ballots. It's no longer an option. We vote for people. We don't vote for parties. Oh yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I would I would love to see that happen. But you know, now you're you're you know you're in 2023. You're running for mayor of Salem. Um, can you you know tell me a little bit about? you know, what caused you to want to jump into this race so quickly and maybe a little bit about the incumbent mayor and why you want to run against him? Well, let me, I'm going to do that in reverse order. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, mayor Green and I actually went to school together here at Salem. Uh, Justin yeah. was a year behind me in school. We have always been fairly, fairly close friends. Uh, you know, and, and, a town of about six, a little over 6,000 people. You could say we've met. Right. Um, <laughs> when he, you know, th this, this kind of stem, and like I told you when we was off air, this stems from a lot of things that have went on. Uh, the, the first thing that, that happened was during my commissioner race, they tried to pass a property maintenance ordinance where if they really got 
if it went through and they really got stickler about it, they could actually fine people for how many chip, how much chip paint they had on their house. Well, the people in Salem rallied. I was right there with them. I stood with the people, you know, and luckily, you know, the people was able with my help was able to overturn that and it, it got washed away. So that was strike one. Well, I went to him during the commissioner's race and I'm like, look, Justin, I'm willing to step up, be a libertarian advocate and give you a libertarian voice. That way you've got a voice in your corner that's saying, hey, look, don't do this. And he's like, all right, cool. I'd be glad to have you. So things went along. Next thing I know, I get wind that he's getting ready to take a bond loan uh, for around $1.2, $1.3 million, and it is, quote, unquote, for capital projects. Now, that being said, let me dig a little deeper onto that and inform you and your listeners that the city of Salem right now is about $26 million in debt, and that includes this bond loan that they just took about three months ago. Golly. $26 million in debt divided amongst 6,386 people is roughly about a little over $4,000 a person to pay it off completely. And that's We're just for the city, debt. right? It's, it's not the that's just the, that's just the city, right? Like it's not the that's, county. It's not anything. Yeah. It's just the city. That's just the city. Oh, the the oh, county's man. like seventeen or eighteen million dollars in debt. So <laughs> we we've yeah. got debt in our up to our eyeballs <laughs> around here. Oh my goodness! So I went to the city council meeting where they was going to vote on this, and I went forward and even got press time out of this. I told him, I was like, look, you've got a pending recession coming next year. Don't do this, Justin. It's not the right time. It's a bad time to take new debt. I was like, if you need more revenue money, grow your job base, grow your tax base, and you will be fine. Well, he... After we got done with public comments, he decided that not only was he going to patronize me, he was going to make it look like that I was spot on, but yet he was still going to do what he wanted to do. Well, they took this $1.2 million bond debt, and I left that meeting absolutely disgusted. Uh, I come home. I talk to my wife. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I was like, you know what? He wants to do this. That's fine. We're going. She's like, all right. She's like, go ahead, run. I'm like, okay. So we uh, the county party held the uh, uh, the convention in January. Uh, I was voted unanimous to run for mayor, and you know we went forward from there. But you know it that. That bond loan right there was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm going to back up for a minute. In 2018, when the county decided they needed to build a new jail, here in Indiana, we have a lovely thing. It is in the state constitution. 
It is called Circuit Breaker. Basically, it hammers you on how much tax revenue you can actually gain, all right? So in 2018, our lovely mayor, he signed away the local income, income tax credits to the county. Oh, wow. Signed them away. And his comment in 2018 was, and I quote, oh, don't worry, we'll be fine. That's in the future. Oh, my. He's just kicking the can down the road on, on top of the debt that's already accumulated there with you, 20, there 26 million. Oh. There you go. You're, well, see, now that, see, it was on, yeah, it's 26 million. Now you got to add 1.25 million on top of that. So you're actually pushing closer to like 28 million. So they sat in a city council meeting and they're trying to figure out why Circuit Breaker hits Salem so hard. Well, guys, you basically gave away the one thing that counteracts that Circuit Breaker. It's your local income tax credits. Why? You shouldn't have done that. So you know, they take this 1.2, 1.3, whatever it was, million dollar bond loan, and it says it's for capital projects. Well, three weeks ago, right across the front page of the paper, do you know what, you want to guess what their first project is with this bond money? I don't, I don't even know that I want to. <laughs> I can't even imagine what they might spend it on. That's Well, you, I hope you're sitting down and I hope you have a seatbelt on because I'm getting ready to tell you. They are revamping and revitalizing our skateboard park here in Salem. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, I couldn't yeah. have guessed that. You're right. I definitely could not have even fathomed that's what they would use that money for. Don't even try to figure that out. <laughs> Because honestly, I haven't figured that out yet. Um, you know, now if a, a capital project, because I looked this up, a capital project is any project that has a architect or an engineer overseeing it. I have yet to get an answer on who the architect or the engineer is that's over this project. So I think what they're doing is they took the bond loan because on a bond loan, you don't have to have a, what I would consider, what you and I would consider a quality control checklist. You don't have that. The money's yours. You use it as you feel led to use it. Whereas with grant money, you actually have to write out what you're using it for, okay? Right. So regardless of, of what Mayor Green tells the people, here's the brass tacks of all this. You're $26 million in the hole. You just added another $1.25 million onto that over... I think it's a five-year period. So that pushes the debt ratio out to 
2066, you've got a almost 65% chance of a looming recession coming that we don't know how bad this is going to be. Right. Everybody talks about the federal government defaulting on the national debt. I think it's time for people to look around and say, you know what? What about our local governments defaulting on their debt? Because if you keep up with the economics, I don't know if you do or not. I, I do because I find it interesting. They're already saying today that the inflation is is getting it, – it's getting hot. Um, that's not a good thing. It, it, it's bad. Uh, the the Fed has already come out and said that there will be interest rate type through March, April, and May. So that's three months of interest rate hikes. Uh, everything that I'm seeing, everything that I'm hearing is telling me within myself that bond loan was a was a grave error because I really do believe that there is a chance they could default on this loan. Or the the whole debt, the whole twenty six million, um, because with inflation going up, with interest rates going up, this is just a bad time for this. And really, honestly, to you and your listeners, that right there, in a nutshell, is why I'm running for mayor. Because evidently, he doesn't feel like he needs to listen to me during a public meeting. Well, as my Facebook group cover photo says, can you hear me now? And I, I think a lot more people are going to be listening now once they realize the the dire situation they're in. I mean, is there, I mean, are you getting that response from people on the ground? Like when you lay this out for them, just how how seriously bad this situation is with the city? Yes and no. Some people are economically slanted, if if that's the, the correct term. Um, some people, you, if you start talking economics, you're going to go right over their head because they don't grasp it. Right. What I have found works is to look at them and be like, okay, let's let's tackle this with a question. What happens if you miss a car payment? Well, it goes to collections. Okay. What happens if you default on the collections? They take my car. All right. Same thing with the city. They miss a payment. We're in trouble. We're in bad trouble because odds are the state would take over the city of Salem. You don't want that. You never want the state to take over. Um, and like I said previously, the threat of them defaulting, get, it increases just like the inflation percentage and the interest rates. It's all going to go up. Um, honestly, man, that's probably my biggest fear right now is, is a debt default at the city level. If it happens... I can tell you now it's going to be catastrophic. Oh yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, how, 
you know, at, you're, you know, running for mayor, you know, if, if you were to get elected in November, I mean, how would you even begin to tackle, you know, the city's debt when it's, you know, like, like you said, 26 plus the, the new bond loan they, they uh, took out. I mean, how, how do you even begin to start making progress on that issue? It just seems they're so far in the hole and I can't imagine that they're going to, you know, cut spending, stop, uh, you know, to decrease their spending and try to rein it in any, I can't, you know, I can't imagine that they're going to do that anytime soon. They haven't done it in the past, obviously. Well, my first obligation would be go to the county council and the county commissioners and try to get the, the local income tax credits restored. Mm -hmm. If, and that's a big if, if I'm able to do that, the next thing I would probably do is urge the city council and get them to move to opt out of the bond loan because the, in, the, the inner workings of that bond loan is you can, you can stop that. Um, I think it's, I think it's in a three year period. Uh, anytime in the first three years, you can actually stop that. Um, that would be my next move would be to, to stop that bond loan. Uh, and then we just, I guess, worked on paying that down along with the rest of the debt. The other, the other action that I would take is any, what I would call, uh, feel good and play pretty projects, uh, would be removed off the table. We, we would not we would not proceed down that road. Uh, the only projects that that I personally as mayor would entertain would be uh, infrastructure and just your normal everyday uh, city services upgrades if we would need them. So you know that's kind of my plan going in. The other thing that I would I would do immediately, would be I would contact uh, the local chamber of commerce. I would also contact our local uh, economic growth partnership, and I would have them double down and triple down on the uh, the job arenas that they are targeting. They're actually targeting some really good job arenas. Uh, they're looking at anything with Department of Defense. And they're also looking at manufacturing. The defense jobs, with the way the world's going, are not going to go away anytime soon. And we are, I won't give specifics, but we are strategically located uh, to where defense jobs are, are, are really viable for us. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of gives you an idea of what I would do to start. Once all of that got going, we would really probably have to batten down the hatches and, you know, just do our basic day-to-day -day operation, cross our fingers and pray to the Lord that nothing catastrophic happens along the way, and hopefully getting the lit credits back after uh, after the first two years in office hopefully things would turn around to where, you know, we could start looking at doing, you know, some, some of those 
feel good and play pretty kind of projects if if we had to. Um, that's really the only thing I've got going forward that, that you know, I can really hang my hat on here. It's, it's, it's so important too, man. Like you said, the, you know, the, the, the worst consequence of all this would just be so devastating for the city there. And, um, you know, I kind of want to, I kind of want to shift a little bit here just so we can make sure to cover it. Cause any, anyone that, you know, is listening to this episode, listen to the last episode or follows you on, on Twitter, which I would highly recommend knows that, um, you know, debt, infrastructure the economy i mean that's that's your bread and butter you know you you talk about those all the time they're all over your social media but you know the the other big one that's all over your your social media big part of your campaign that we haven't talked about yet is cybersecurity. um i feel like i've learned quite a bit just by following your page and and reading some of the articles that you post on cyber cybersecurity because I'm, I'm definitely not an expert and i feel like everybody needs to kind of take some responsibility and try to try to learn a little more about it just try to keep yourself safe especially with how you know everything's online uh nowadays are there any you know are, are there any threats there you know for the city of salem or i mean you could even speak a little more broadly nationwide or you know whatever you want are there any you know big threats that you've been looking at that you want to help you know specifically your you know the city of salem prepare for well right off the bat uh, the the two big ones are uh, ransomware and extortionware. Mm-hmm. Here, what was it? Three or four weeks ago, they had the worldwide ransomware attack on every server worldwide. Uh, Europe is still dealing with that, and it, it it's still a problem. Um, you know, this is where not only at the governmental level. But, you know, we've got to have a cybersecurity policy that not only protects you, but it educates you as we go. Uh, I am a big supporter of the idea and the concept of using blockchain technology for cybersecurity. I'm a big supporter of that because it is not a centralized system. It is a multifaceted, multi-person, multi-organization system that if they're going to bust it, they're going to have to take the whole system down and crash it before they can get anything. That's where I lean really heavy, and this goes for the city of Salem. It goes for the republic that we live in. It goes for the world. Once we start getting it to where people are not only protected, but they get educated as they are protected, then you are going to see you're going to see a switch. And it's not going to be overnight. It's probably not even going to be within a month. It's going to take years because I hate to say it. I'm bad about it, too. Sometimes you get lazy. And just when you think, okay, I'm fine, I'm cool, something snaps. And it's like, oh, well, why did I leave that up? Well, exactly the same reason that I do sometimes. You get lazy. 
Um, we all do it. You know, life is going at a hundred mile an hour and, you know, you're on your laptop, you're on your phone, you're on your iPad and you accidentally, you don't close a window. Well, when the window's open, you're just inviting things in. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at right now. I do believe there's something else brewing. Um, I can't, I can't really describe it because I don't know what it is yet, but I'm just, I, I feel like there's something else getting ready to drop. Um, I can make a guess for your, for your audience and for you. But like I said, there again, it's only a guess. My estimation of what's going on, there is a hacker group out there that is trying to pull one of the old Trojan horse um, computer uh, viruses out. But instead of doing a normal Trojan horse, not only are they going to steal information, but I feel like this next threat, it's going to steal information and then it's going to shut whatever it infects down to where you can't restart it. That's my fear. Um, like I said, I don't know. And, and I may be off, you know, I may be totally off on that, but that's just what I'm gathering. Uh, you know, we, we've got a, a virgining crisis that could go nuclear at any time with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, they are already. They have been in a cyber war for some time. Uh, we, as a republic, if people want to believe it or not, we've been in a cyber war since 2016. Um, but it's not just China and Russia. And yeah, believe it or not, even Iran has the capability to send us back to the caveman days. It's the individual that you have to be aware of. Um, it's the non-state actors that are carrying out their own agendas that you have to be aware of. Um, once, once I get into office, probably one, and, and I know I'm putting a lot on my plate for, for right off the bat, but it's gotta be done. Um, I would probably move to get some kind of a blockchain cybersecurity for the entire city of Salem. Um, and that includes the school systems, the hospitals, the doctor's offices, the nursing homes, and all 6,000 citizens. It's a load, but believe me, it's worth it for the protection of not only us, but our kids and our grandkids. I think you're absolutely right. And it's why, you know, like you said, educating people on these issues is so important because I feel like a lot of that stuff, a lot of people don't actively think about, you know, it's not the sexiest political issue out there. And it's really easy to ignore. You know, you like to think that you, you know, you turn your phone off, you, you know, you turn your computer off, or you just set it to the side and everything's all good and fine. But the, you know, the truth is, is that just is not the case. There are, you know, people, it, it, groups of people, networks of people that are actively looking to attack you and, and, and steal your information, you know, defraud you, steal your, you know, whatever it is. Um, we actually talked, when we talked last in August, you you told me the figure, um, you know, about uh, ransomware. 
that the average ransomware attack cost like six hundred forty thousand dollars, and that's uh, that is that is way higher than I think anyone would even guess if you if you ask them. They, you know, they might guess a couple hundred bucks, maybe a couple thousand bucks. But the, I mean, the truth is, is that you know your information is is so vulnerable, and you have so much to lose by it just being out there unprotected and just being you know totally unaware of of the risk that there is you're you're not wrong you know one of the things that i have learned is the best form of cybersecurity that you can have ever is when you go to and i tell you what let, let's just use your local doctor's office for an example here when you go to the doctor's office before you step foot out of that doctor's office, look whoever is working that front desk straight in the face and you ask them a series of questions. And it's all related to your information. The first one needs to be, do you guys sell information or give information out to other people? Well, if the answer is no, okay, you're on you, you're on solid ground so far. The second question you need to ask is, can I have a copy, a hard copy of my interaction today to add to my medical record? Everybody in America needs to start formulating a hard paper copy of their medical records. I know that sounds absurd. I know it sounds crazy, but with the violations that are going on right now with HIPAA, uh, hospitals are being attacked. Doctors' offices are being attacked. You need to have a hard copy of your medical records. You're not going to get, you don't have to go back and get them all. But if you start this year, and every time you go to the doctor, every time you go to the hospital, they'll do it for you. They may get aggravated at you. Ask them for a hard copy of everything they've done and tell them straight up, I'm keeping my own medical records to back up what you guys have. I want it in my possession. That is probably the one thing we can do that will kind of curb it because if something pops up and you get a bill for something that you didn't do, you can prove you didn't do it because you've got the paperwork from that doctor's office. Right. And you need that information to be available yeah. somewhere other than their system that they have. You know, you need it for your record so that you can present it as evidence for, for your case. Exactly. And, you know, and I know... I know that sounds like a big pain and believe me, I'm doing it myself. It is a pain, <laughs> but when you look at the big picture and you say, okay, they could get taken out at any time. I need my medical records on hand. That even includes the drugstore. If they give you a receipt, and they've got your medication tag on your bag. Before you leave, ask them very nicely if they would print you a med list. And do that 
if you get your prescriptions every three months, update the med list in your medical records every three months because the pharmacy can be taken offline just as easy as the doctor's office. You're so right. It's you know it's really good information for people to have. And I mean the, these are these are very very doable steps that people could take to just have that extra layer of security. We're actually running a little low on time here. We've got about three minutes left or so. I wanted to give you these last couple of minutes to just kind of you know plug your different social medias, you know any a website, anything you've got. I mean, where can people find out? more about you and and learn more about these issues well the twitter like you said is 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 always a great place uh the twitter feed has changed quite a bit i won't mm -hmm. go into why but it, it has changed uh for for personal reasons uh the campaign is pretty much based on facebook it is a public group everybody's welcome uh it's simply just tommy brown the third for mayor, 1776, uh, we decided to take that 1776 uh, mentality and march forward with it. So to close, I want to thank you for having me on again. Uh, I want to thank your listeners. Uh, I, I've actually picked up a lot of support from this from this podcast, and I, I really appreciate that. And again, I, I, I thank you for having me on again tonight. I'm glad to hear that my listeners have been supporting you, man. I'm I'm a big fan of yours. I, I followed the county commissioner race, and I'm going to be right there with you through the end of this mayoral race. And I, I am going to have you back on before November. I know I failed to do that last election cycle, but this cycle, it's it's going to happen. I will have you on before election day for a third time. Uh, the, the election is it's November eighth ish, somewhere around there, right? Yes, sir. It'll be November 8th. All right. And if you're game, I, I promise you, I will have you on one more time before then, just so that I can continue to play a small part and, and, and you know, help out in any way that I can, man. I, I love having you on the show. It's always a lot of fun to talk to you. And I, I greatly appreciate you coming back on. Not a problem. Anytime, brother. Let, let's, uh, you know, we can. Be glad to come back. I appreciate it, brother. You have a good one. All right, brother. Take care.